Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. When I talk to salon owners that I know and work with, there's one common struggle faced by most of them, and it really stands out. Can can you guess what it is? Well, I'll tell you, it's that they're having problems with their team. Can you relate to this at all? (laughs) I know that when I had my salon, if there was one team member who had a bad attitude or even was having a bad day, it would bring the whole team down. The morale would go down and everyone would struggle. And that's because one of the most essential elements to a great team culture is joy. Not only do your team need to be happy to be in the salon, to be getting along, but as the boss and CEO, you need to be setting a good example of what joy looks like. After all, you're in charge around here, so it all starts with you. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Amanda Gore, who's an expert on team culture and how to create a positive, joyful salon environment. Let's dive straight in and meet Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. I'm very pleased to have you. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Larissa. I'm thrilled to be here, as everyone says. (laughs) So let's start for those that don't know who you are or where you are. Please tell us, where are you in the world? What do you do and how did you get to be doing it? Well, I'm, a, I'm an ex-physio uh, with major in psychology and I'm a master practitioner in neurolinguistics and blah, blah, blah. It's not all that interesting for people. I live in Australia, but I travel to the States a lot. And um, uh, it's a bit boring to hear about what I've done. We don't have a lot of time, so let's make it about them rather than about me. Uh, right. so to say I'm like 65, very old, but I've mm-hmm. been speaking for 35 years and I do constant research and hopefully what we come up with today about how to be a leader who creates a joyful culture um, will be useful to everybody. I think you're right, because I know in uh, for salon owners, it is one of the biggest challenges. You know, we've built a business model that is based on employing humans to do great work. And so then the biggest challenge for us is managing and leading people. And yes. I know for myself, you know, um, uh, having good, happy people, joyful and uh, grateful people in our team is everything in terms of your ability to grow and scale a business so i heard you i've heard you speak a couple of times live and so i'm so pleased to have you come and talk on this topic and help us have more grateful team joyful workspaces and be better leaders i'll hand it over to you oh well thank you so if if i were to give people uh, three top tips on how they can create more joyful cultures. The first thing is to work with yourself always. Mm -hmm. And you might be rolling your eyeballs right now and um, grimacing. But the truth is, if you're miserable, everybody in your team will be miserable. And who you are actually as the leader makes a really big difference. And people will pick up in, well, first of all, let me just ask you, think about the best boss you ever had. So when you were an apprentice, when you were working with someone before you 
uh, bought your own salon. Who was the best boss and why? And and I guarantee none of you are going to come up with, oh, well, X was the best boss because they were so smart and uh, she was a real bitch but it was great and <laughs> none of those things. What you're going to say is X was your best boss because they made you feel good. And the reason they made you feel good, even though you are in charge of your feelings, was because you felt that they cared for you. You were interested in their growth. Uh, they were interested in your growth and development, sorry, and you knew it. And you also knew them as a real person. They weren't this kind of facade persona that came in and put on the Attila the Hun boss. And quite often people will be really good stylists and then they get their own salon and they become Attila the Hun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the bottom line is you're dealing with humans and in hairdre you know, hairdressing in salons, you're basically psychologists and you all know this. You know, people come in and you have to chat to a billion people a day about either trivially named things or once they get to know you, they tell you their life stories and you become a kind of unofficial psychologist. So treating your people really well and helping them feel good about themselves is the single most important thing that you can do to get to attract great staff and to keep them once you have them. So what's the first thing to do? It is to look at yourself and look at the stories that you're telling yourself about yourself. So we're going to cover a lot of content in this very short period of time. So you may need to listen to this a few times or go to my YouTube channel, Amanda Gore TV, and, and get a refresher for a few of the points. But first of all, our lives are not run by us consciously. For 99.9% .9 of us, until we hear this, we are not running our lives consciously. We are being driven by the unconscious stories we're telling ourselves on a repeated basis. And these stories by the time we're seven. We're all not seven. And if you have not hard, because now is the time that the not to seven-year-old, just like you, would tell themselves a story based on their perception. So the not to seven-year-old's perception of what's happening around them. And whatever happens, it may or may not have something to do with you. Because nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, how can I destroy my child's life today? How can I embed <laughs> a story in my child? No one does that. Uh, but circumstances happen, things occur, and the child tells themselves. So the easiest way is example, short, long story short, when I was three, I was molested by a person and my father was an alcoholic and my mum wasn't there. I, the three-year-old, with no capacity to understand everything that was going on, told myself at that moment of terror that I was responsible for me. No one else would ever be responsible for me. I would always have to be it. That story, which I had as embedded instantly, uh, ruled the rest of my life. So you are not your story, but your story rules your life. This is one of three stories I had. I expanded that story as I grew older. I was responsible for my mother's happiness. Then I went to I was responsible for everyone else around me. And then I developed a very nasty habit of fixing people. 
because I could see that they were broken. And whether they wanted to or not, I would just fix them. Now, I'm, I'm short-circuiting this so that you get a sense of it. And I certainly didn't know that that's the core story I told myself until I had done a great deal of work on myself. And I was 63. And I went to a course uh, by a man called David Martin, who, by the way, is putting on a similar course in Charlottesville, February uh, 9th to the 13th. And if you're interested, um, email Larissa or the contact and uh, she can um, give you the details on or Nicole can. Um, anyway, it was a life-changing course and I can highly recommend it. So having discovered that I told myself I was responsible, I had already noticed the pattern of what fixing people. And I went through two husbands as a consequence and lots of other relationships and lots of friends because everybody would get pissed off with them because I was taking responsibility for them and trying to fix them and fix things mm. for them. I tried and tried and tried to change it, but until I got to that core story, I couldn't. But once I recognised the moment I told myself the story, and I didn't judge it, I didn't put a big, you know, drama around it, I just observed it, things started to almost change automatically because the root of the pattern, the root of the reflex, which is the same as the pattern of my behaviour, was I had shone a light on it. It's a bit like having a fear and you shine the light, like being scared of the dark, but you put the light on and the fear goes away. Mm -hmm. So the three core fears that most people carry around, that will really be in every one of your staff members. So understand this when you're working with them. So here's the three core fears, write them down. The first is, I am not worth loving. Most women get that. And and you can almost guarantee that to some degree, pretty much everyone you meet has got an element of that. Mine, of course, I got the trifecta of the three core fears and mine was I was worthless, not just not worth loving, but worthless. Um, again, from that one experience, because I told myself that if I was worth anything, somebody would have been there for me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Uh, and remember this with your children and talk out loud to your children about these core fears. I don't care how old they are, just talk about them and make sure that they're not embedded in there because uh, it's not from you necessarily. It can be, but uh, often it's from uh, school or teachers too. The mm. second core fear is that I'm unsafe in some way. Very common in uh, parent, uh, children of alcoholics, drug-addicted parents or um, mentally unwell parents. And the common behavioural trait of that is controlling because the only way they can make themselves feel safe is they have to control everyone and everything around them. And my second husband helped me find out about that little trait that I had. <laughs> and the third popular is separation, that, that terror of not belonging, not fitting in. Now, understand if you've got any of those, it's time to start dealing with them. And the, the best way that I know to deal with them is to start to observe the stories you're telling yourself. Whenever you feel uncomfortable or stressed or any feeling other than calm, ask yourself three things. What story am I telling myself right now? When did it start? And who benefits from that story? Because... Often, no one, no human benefits, but some energy that is around that 
has embedded or some story in you has embedded uh, a, a pattern like mine was to diminish myself and by me diminishing myself it made sure that I never stepped up to what I was actually potentially capable of doing and at some universal purpose level that was beneficial I'm not a space cadet I promise but this just is <laughs> it was beneficial to uh, the energies that didn't want my unique capacity and energy to uh, expand. So uh, very rarely does any anything, anyone good benefit from these story, <coughs> stories. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, we're telling ourselves. So that's um, the fears and the questions to ask yourself. What story, when did it start, and keep peeling back the layers of the onion, and who benefits from the story? So if you look at that in yourself <clears throat> and you become more honest with yourself and more honest, then every time you interact with someone, one of your staff, ask yourself which one of the core fears is driving the behaviours I'm dealing with. And if you've Think about the story the person is telling themselves that's causing that fear. Start to address the fears. Help them feel safe. Help them feel that they belong and they do fit in. Help them grow and develop so that their skills are good enough to fit in. Um, if they're thinking, if they're bullies, you know a bully just is telling themselves I'm not good enough and I'm unsafe, so they're going to lash out to stay the top dog to hide those fears. If you've got someone who's, well, that's not my job, you know, look at how well you've educated them into doing all the jobs, how much, because here's the other thing. When somebody annoys you, when somebody bothers you uh, and you don't really like them, even though you employed them, they know. There is no question they know through all your nonverbal communication, which is not just body language, body language is a tiny part of it, they know you don't like them. So what you need to do is to find one thing about them that's good and focus on that one thing. And as you focus on that one thing that's good about them, they will in the quantum field, which is tied to quantum physics, they will in the quantum field sense that you don't dislike them as much and they will start to blossom. Nobody, and mind you, codicil, there are always some people who are the energy suckers, who are the miserable ones, who are not interested in changing, growing and developing. But you should know that by the time they finish their probation period. And if they don't show a willingness to grow and develop, if they don't believe in themselves at all, and you haven't been able to shift that at all, then you need to move them on. Because a leader's job is threefold. And the first part is to uh, change people's behavior, which you can do in a heartbeat if you tell them a story that touches their hearts. So, you know, they're humans. We need to have that heart connection. And the best way to communicate a, a strong message is through a story. Uh, the second part of a leader's job is to help people believe in themselves because belief in their own ability is a better predictor of success than any level of skill. 
So how are you teaching them? How are you responding when they learn? Do you get impatient? Do you get fed up? All those sorts of things influence how people believe, what they believe about themselves. And the third part is to create an environment in which people can be the best they can be, which is joy-filled and fear-free. And one of the quickest ways of developing a joyful culture is to develop a culture of gratitude. And if you start off every staff meeting with everybody answering the question, what's the thing you're most grateful for since we last met? Uh, you make it in your scene, gets you, who comes in, gets used to, which is the first question every staff member asks every client that comes in, what's the thing you're most grateful for since you were last in here? If it's a new client, what's, you know, we run a salon based on gratitude here and we're very grateful that you've decided to give us a try. And uh, it's our practice here to ask every client that comes in the thing that they're most grateful for since we last saw them. But seeing we haven't seen you before, that's, what's the thing you're most grateful for in the last week? And then that starts a whole different conversation. And when you specifically tell the staff the things for which you're grateful about them, then that starts to build how they feel about themselves and build that connection between you and them. And by the by, do this with your children. It is really important mm. because sure. we teach children gratitude by shouting at them to thank their brother or sister. But if, if we sit around the dinner table at night and we ask each person at the table, what's the thing you're most grateful for that happened today? Even if they're tiny, they will develop the capacity to understand what gratitude is. And as David said to me the other day, you know, when, when we have conversations as normal humans, inevitably it's about what's miserable, unless we've just recently fallen in love and then everything's about falling in love. But the rest <laughs> of the time, it's about the things our partner does that annoy us. It's about the shitty things at work. It's about the shitty things in the world. We focus on all the crisis points and the drama points and we forget to have monotonous gratitude, the monotonous goodness that goes on. For example, he says, you know, if somebody has a hand that doesn't work, um, you know, you've got RSI or uh, tendonitis or something, and all we do is focus on that and whinge and complain, but we forget to remember that our hearts constantly beat. Our cells are exchanging oxygen. Our lungs are working. Our kidneys are working. We can pee. Our bladders are good. Our brains are good. You know, we, we choose to focus on the one thing that isn't perfect and ignore the extraordinary range of functions going on in the human body that mean we get to keep doing what we're doing. And so this concept of monotonous goodness and monotonous gratitude is, is something that can truly change your life and change the team culture. And into that gratitude culture, you can also build a culture of acknowledgement and recognition. And, and I just want to read to you something from the Harvard Business Review, a recent article actually. It's called The Joy at Work, Making Joy a Priority at Work. And this is Harvard Business Review, so hooray, at last, not a fluffy topic. And these are the one, two, three, four, five, seven uh, qualities that drive joy at work. Like really, oh, duh. They're all like duh, actually. The first one is I understand my role and the role of others on the team. 
So have you made sure that everybody knows their job? And don't think that, oh, well, of course they're going to know that. Make no assumptions. You list out very clearly uh, what everybody's role is and how you expect them to interact with each other. And the second component of this, which creates harmony at work, is there are strong bonds within the team. So what do you do to facilitate the team members connecting? So, you know, often it's all women, and then we get these little bitchy, posse things if you've got a big salon. Um, and even in a small salon, you know, we can get bitchy groups. So if you've got two people who aren't getting on, instead of one talking to you, the other talking to you, and you trying to coordinate it, put the two of them in the room and make them nuke it out and say, look, you two are obviously having a, an issue with each other, so I'm going to sit here while you two talk about it as mature adults and we'll see if we can sort this out because you're both great people. There's obviously something going on, so let's see if we can work out what it is. So create the bonds. Help each of the people in your team appreciate each other and acknowledge each other. And, and maybe you even um, have a meeting at the end of each week or at the beginning of each week and after you've all done something for which you're grateful, then they will say something that they appreciated about someone else on the team during the last week. Now, imagine what that does when you make it a routine, a ritual, in fact, at every meeting. They're going to be looking for their colleagues to be doing something good that they can appreciate so that the next week they can talk about it. And then the person who just got appreciated thinks, ooh, that's great, and they start to do it more often. So it's very potent. Okay, the next two are my talents are utilised effectively. People want to feel uh, uh, used and valued for what they're doing. Uh, they don't want to be sitting there. And you know this, you felt this yourself. It's not rocket science. If you think you're really good at colouring and you're learning but you're still really good at it, and somebody just keeps telling you to go and sweep the floor, what kind of motivation and inspiration does that give you to love your boss and your job? Uh, and then the other is to understand how my role is critical to the success of the team. And this means having another meeting at some stage and weaving into the conversation, whether it's one-to-one -one or the group, as to how each one of them matters and as we work together with the whole being greater than the sum of the parts, as we truly work together as a team, we create this field of appreciation and gratitude and excellence and quality and helping each other. And, you know, it, it just spirals up with goodness. And the, the other part was in terms of how people feel they make an impact in the world because everybody wants to feel they make a difference is I understand how my role contributes to business success. So make sure that they understand by their sweeping the floor fabulously and being really diligent about it, it keeps the salon clean and neat and, and looks progressive. And people, when they come in, uh, they don't even consciously know why, but they feel comfortable here. And it doesn't matter how menial, in inverted commas, the job is, You've got to make them all realise that it's a really important component for the team's success. Then the last one is acknowledgement. So shared success is sort of celebrated with the team. So if they've all, if you've had a great month, you know, you buy them all a bottle of wine or something, or um, um, a box of chocolates, or some. They don't care what it is as long as you acknowledge them. 
and then the the colleagues acknowledge each other's contribution to team success. So I've already addressed that one by having the stunning idea that I hadn't actually thought of before of getting them all to acknowledge something one of their colleagues did the week before. So that's that's kind of a mishmash of how you can use gratitude, build a team culture, look at yourself and what's driving you, your stories, the core fears, and look at the fears that could be driving your team too. Because if you can address those fears, remember, the behaviours change. And then the, the last part uh, that we could talk about is the enormously important quality of observing your thinking. So if you slow down, I'm not sure, can I? I best not swear. Anyway, David has said, <laughs> slow down because I start to speed up and we're all travelling so fast. I mean, we get frustrated if the internet doesn't respond in 23 and a quarter nanoseconds. So we're all speeding up and by speeding up, we lose the capacity to be present And because I'm not strong at that yet. I'm better than I was. But as Me he too. pointed out, I have rarely been present a day in my life. And one of his um, top tips for me to help me become more present is slow the mm down. <laughs> and, you know, try it. It's actually very effective, very challenging to do a lot of the time, but very mm. effective when you do. And when you do slow yourself down, you notice you're not feeling good and you start to ask yourself what story am I telling myself now you do that by observing your thoughts because 95 to 99 percent of the time we're literally literally unconscious of our thinking and um, one of the ways you can do this and something that you can create at work if you want to is joy buddies now, when I'm speaking, I get the people, as Larissa will know, to turn to the person on either side of them and interact with them. And then I say to them, now, this person you've you know, connected with is your official joy buddy. And joy buddies are not just for joyful moments, but they're accountability buddies as well. And I suggest that they connect with each other and just kind of meet up for 20 minutes once a month. That's all, once a month. And they talk to each other about things that they would like to improve and develop in themselves. And that could be personally or professionally. Ideally, if you give them any time off to do that, if it's a possibility in your salon, um, you ask them to work on a couple of qualities or one quality per month that they would like to improve that will help them grow and develop at work. So you can introduce the concept of joy buddies. Um, uh, on my uh, website, I, I get from, you know, I have to get them made in China, have these little yellow finger puppets. And the little finger puppets have smiles and, on their faces and they have little arms reaching out to the side as a hug. And I call these my joy buddies. And I often tell uh, salon owners to get a clear fishbowl and get a few packets of these and put them into the fishbowl and have them at the front of the salon because people love them. They absolutely love them. They, oh, can I take some for the kids? And, <laughs> and then you introduce the concept of joy buddies. And you can do this with your staff. So when you, you know, show them a short YouTube clip of my video talking about joy buddies, 
and then you have the ball and you say, so feel free to give these away. Every new client gets a couple and you have them sitting on those little benches beside where you're cutting hair or whatever and uh, colouring or doing whatever else you do in the salon. But it's a constant reminder, a constant symbol that this is a joyful workplace. This is a salon known to be joyful. People come to you and they leave, <coughs> excuse me, happier and somehow just feeling better about themselves. So you become much more than a group who uh, make people look better and because they look better, they feel better. You actually start to make a field effect, a culture within the organization, an energetic, literally an energetic field that is full of playful joy. So that people not only come in and feel better because they're looking stunning, but feel better from their hearts because they've been filled with gratitude, they've been thinking about gratitude, they're talking about joyful things, people are laughing, it's okay. It just transforms everything. So I haven't stopped talking for like ever. How are you going? <laughs> you still there? Um, while you're talking, I'm looking at your Joy Buddies on your website, and I love it. You can buy a whole uh, stand of little Joy Buddies. I love this. I really love this idea, and I was just writing yeah, on my notes here. Energetic. That was a very oh, strange. Um, oh. You get them in bags of 50, I think. Yeah, so, but look, honestly, they're, they're super cool. And I just, I have this vision of salons with, and I wrote down the word energetic culture. Like this is actually something uh, that not only can transform your team culture, but I really love, Amanda, that you bring in the clients into this. And this actually becomes a brand culture and not just a team culture. Um, I, I adore that idea. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you want to be known as the, already people, you know, Sometimes going to the salon takes a long time to think, oh, God, I haven't got much time. But then, you know, they do it because they have to. Imagine if they really wanted to. You know, they were feeling mm -hmm. a bit down. Thought, you know what? I might just go and get my hair done because I always feel so fabulous when I leave. But, but when I say That's right. it's not just because of how I look. It's because, it's because when I walk into this place, suddenly my energy lifts. Suddenly my heart yeah. lifts. I just yeah. it's just got a great vibe. Well, that vibe is your culture. It's, it's literally the frequency that is generated by the combination of your team, you and your team. And understanding yeah. at that profound level is really important. And, and the other thing, Larissa, and honestly, I promise you, I don't normally flog things at all, but <laughs> I know you've jammed through a lot of content in a very short space of time. I have an online learning program that I developed out of the book I wrote, Joy's an Inside Job. And what the own, your salon owners could do is actually get the program and, and um, Mel has, um, she made, a, my Mel is my VP of everything, she made a discount voucher, it's a Salon 10, it's a capital S-A-L-O-N 10, and, and you guys get a 10% discount on it. And it's only, you know, it's not, it's only 49 bucks. And it goes for about 12 weeks, and you can extend it longer. But every day there is a joyous size. And what you could do if you wanted to is to get the program and go through the joyous sizes with your team. And they're simple. They're things like um, one day is be a good finder. 
So for the whole day, you know, you get everybody together in the morning for five minutes before you start and you go, today, our joyous eyes, guys, is be a good finder. So all of us, for the whole day, we'll meet up for five minutes at the end of the day. We're going to talk about the things that we found that were good. No matter what happens, let's find some good in it. And then another joyous eyes is today's all about gratitude. You know, we're, we're going to uh, find things for which to be grateful, which we're doing all the time anyway, but we're really going to focus in on it today. Uh, and then, plus, you know, the, the course teaches you about all of these things, but in the chapter on generosity, there's, there's a joyous eyes, instead of exercises, I call them joyous eyes. Uh, the joyous eyes is practice being generous with your time. So, you know, it's very simple to do that. You, you've got to be conscious of it. Uh, another one is practice being generous with your spirit. So, again, that gives you an opportunity to talk about something much deeper that grows and develops them, but it's touching their hearts, and it's touching the hearts of your clients as well. Anyway, there's a gazillion of simple little joyous sizes that if you chose to do it, it's a very uh, systematic and uh, not difficult way to create a culture of joy. Yeah, I love this a lot. And... Uh, as we wrap up, I think one of the, you know, a couple of the key messages was, you know, really that as your role as the CEO of your business, your client really now is not necessarily your client, but the team. If you want to grow uh, a business, you need to focus on the team, the culture and, and yeah, this wider culture of the business. But of course, as you said, Amanda, that starts with you managing yourself so you can lead a team. So I'm going to put uh, the link to the, the joyous sizes. I love that. Uh, and all the things that you need to know to learn more about Amanda, where to find her, where to find her goods. I'm going to link those all up in the show notes so we can come and have a good stalk and have a good look through your awesome website. I love it. I've just been having a little look myself. Wow, great. So, and thank you. program is called Wide for Joy. How to get it's melted on it's called, I'm ashamed to say. However, just no, one... Uh, comment yes if you, please if you want to really 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 connect with people be prepared to be vulnerable in front of them be prepared mm. to be real if you're having a bad day you can't as a leader you actually can't have a really bad day but if you're not feeling good be honest with the team just say look i'm really sorry guys i don't feel well today um please forgive me if i'm not my usual bubbly self or forgive me, guys, I just had a bit of a drama at home and I'm not feeling that great. Be honest because if yeah. you're not, they're going to see that something's wrong. They'll sense something's wrong and they'll be full of fear and now you're creating an environment of fear. Mm. Sorry, Instead of joy. a parting tip. So please share with us your, your quote. You have a joyful quote. Uh, that joy is good for business. There you go. I agree. <laughs> you know, if you're not feeling good about yourself, there's a very long quote. If you're not feeling good about yourself, ask yourself. So if you're thinking, ask yourself, what story am I telling myself right now? When did it start? And who benefits? And pretty much no one's going to benefit. Just remember that. Mm -hmm. So let's well, tell our stories and find the joy that's hidden inside us. It's there. we just got to uncover it. To get out. 
Amanda, thank you so much for uh, giving us your time. Um, it's been a very joyful experience. And um, go and find uh, Amanda. We'll have the links there waiting for you so you can find her easily. And um, please keep in touch. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Larissa, and for inviting me. And that is a Christmas wrap. I hope you have really enjoyed this session and got some value out of this episode with Amanda and taken away some notes that you'll start implementing into the salon in the new year. Now, speaking of the new year, I really want to help you step up into 2020, like finally be the best boss and CEO that you can possibly be and instead of just having another year of average. So launching January 6th, that's very soon, I'm taking you through the strategies you need to go from overwhelmed with all the things, a stylist who owns a business, into a CEO who's fully in control of your business. Each week I'll be bringing you a new masterclass style podcast and live sessions. These inspiring and actionable podcasts will give you the exact tools that you need to become a real salon CEO in 2020. Have that breakthrough year. Now, I'm going to guide you step by step through the key strategies a salon CEO should be focusing on based on my own experience growing a multi-million dollar salon and helping other salon owners do the same. So if you're keen, I'm going to leave the link to sign up in the show notes of this podcast below and if you're listening to this podcast on Christmas Eve or anywhere close to maybe it's before maybe it's after maybe it's the new year Merry Christmas I hope you're having a great time spend some time with your family and enjoy your time out of the salon I look forward to chatting with you next week thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.